Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Happy snow day in March, Penn State football fans. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by... Daniel Gallen in State College. Daniel's getting, I think, the worst of it in State College, but it is Wednesday doing our episode of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. And naturally, just when we had a couple of days creep into the 60s, we we get treated to, in Pennsylvania, some sleep. I guess it could be worse, Daniel. And it is, to be fair, I think it's only March 9th. So this isn't that crazy. But I really thought thought winter was going to go away. It looks like we're going to have to put up with it for another day. Are you going to be able to survive in State College? Because I'm sure it's worse than it is in Harrisburg. It's coming down right now, but luckily I'm I'm stocked up. Don't need to leave the house today, and uh, I've got my my whole focus on some Penn State men's basketball in the Big Ten tournament tonight. That's where that's where I'm looking right now. As always, your heart lies with uh, your Penn State coverage on Penn Live. It could be any any number of sports, but you are 100 percent committed. And you're, I guess, Daniel, really, I mean, if Penn State would lose, uh, if, it's a big if, if they would lose tonight, so would that necessarily be the end of their season? Is there still an NIT tournament, or would a loss tonight pretty much be a wrap on the 2021-2022 season? So they're they're in an interesting place. If they were to go on a run in the Big Ten tournament, they could end up in the NIT conversation, but they're not in that right now. There are those other tournaments that kind of float around, like the CBI. The tournament where they play like best best five out of nine or something, <laughs> like some weird rule. Yeah, and I don't know if the CIT still exists or what, <laughs> but Micah Shrewsbury got asked Monday if he'd kind of considered that, and he said that his team's in an interesting spot because normally the teams that play in those tournaments are a lot younger where you have a lot of freshmen, sophomores, you need to get a lot more experience where Penn State has four fifth-year guys. They've got three other seniors. and But he kind of said that if it, the opportunity comes up, it'll kind of be up to those guys if they want to keep playing. I mean, if John Harrell wants to keep playing, maybe they'll maybe Penn State will keep playing. But yeah, I think that this is, this is going to be it, I think, in Indianapolis. We could have an outback ball, you know, opt-out situation on a smaller <laughs> scale. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, I don't blame them. I mean, it's different for for high-end college players in, in, in football than it is for guys at Penn State that really aren't – maybe they can play overseas, but I don't think the, – the, the draft's only, what, two rounds, and it's, you know, probably not very – looking very good for a lot of those players. So, you know what, hopefully they can win tonight and, and it'll be a moot point. I would like to see them – finish on a high note. I saw they almost 
They gave Rutgers a real a real scare uh, in their regular season finale. It would be nice to see them win at least one more game. They're they're a team that I don't think anyone in the conference wants to face uh, in a, in the tournament environment. Just the the way that they play, they grind you down. They don't let you run. They try to dictate things on their terms and and play tight defense. And I think that I mean they've played everyone in the conference close. Uh, John Harrow was talking about it with Micah Shrewsbury, where he went through the the top four seeds and they lost. They've lost the all four top seeds, but it was by a combined 15 points across those four games. So they're going to be in whatever they do. Obviously got to get by Minnesota tonight who beat them in Minneapolis could end up being an an interesting week with a lot of uh, tips that are scheduled for eight 30 on big 10 network, but don't actually happen till till nine 15 or, or later. Yeah, I know how the TV impacts basketball coverage. I think it actually even ruined Coach K's starting time for Duke where they got spanked by North Carolina. I think the game, the leading game went in overtime, and I don't even think that started on time. So it can just be a fiasco whenever TV is involved. So that, Daniel, is no fun. But let's get to some Penn State football news. You had it covered on Penn Live yesterday. There was news on a number of former Penn State skill position players in the NFL with regard to either free agency or contracts or unfortunately in the case of one, one is no longer with his current team coming off an injury. But I think by my count, it is three wide receivers and one tight end who recently got married. If I was able to follow that social media post about a Penn State football player, uh, there's news involving all of them. So do you, do you think it's more significant to start with, with Mike Kosicki or Chris Godwin? Well, we can start with Gasicki because I think that he's he's a really interesting case as a tight end who doesn't do a lot of tight end things uh, in the NFL. He's a receiver. Let's just call him a receiver. Let's just get it over with. Yeah, and the the difference between those two uh, those two words or those two phrases is about eight million dollars when it comes <laughs> to the <laughs> when yeah. it comes to the franchise tag. Gasicki is is interesting. He had he wasn't super productive last year. I think he only had two touchdowns and the two seasons before he combined for 11, but he's a big body. I mean, we saw what he did at Penn state, just the ability to make acrobatic catches and he plays a lot in the slot and split out wide. So he can get matched up against smaller guys and he can make some things happen, but yeah, the dolphins put the franchise tag on him. So I guess the two sides are going to try to come to a long-term extension or else uh, he'll play the, the year on the, the one-year contract worth. I think it's $10.9 million, uh, for the tight ends. Yeah, and he was, I believe that was a recent, that was recent footage of him at his, he got, I believe he got married in the last week or so. I was trying to, I was trying, the camera was panning uh, when they were all kind of towards the end of the, towards the end, I think the wedding reception, everyone was on the dance floor. I was, I was trying to figure out who some of his teammates were in that shot. I think, did you see Saquon Barkley in that? Was that him or no? Yeah, yeah, that was Saquon. Okay, I thought so. I was looking for him, and I was probably looking for Trace McSorley and those guys, but it, the camera was moving too fast for me. But it sounds like congratulations to Mike and his bride. It sounds like he is now a married man, and uh, you know he could probably use that $11 million if he's going to make a, make a home in Miami uh, permanently. Oh, yeah. I think that any any chunk of change in a place like, like Miami, a little expensive to live, but you don't have to worry about it. I think that's one of the places that doesn't have the state income tax. 
so you can you get to save a little bit more and uh beers are like 38 dollars a can down there i think daniel so let's just keep that in mind yeah i mean you don't want to you don't want to pay that much for something you can get for for two dollars in harrisburg (laughs) uh how about okay so how about chris godwin and alan robinson lump them together chris godwin tore his acl i think towards the end of the bucks regular season heck of a player it sounds like they were looking to try and lock him up to a long-term do- uh, long-term deal. It, it fell through at the window, closed. So he got tagged. But I think Allen Robinson, is he now officially free from being tethered to that awful, awful Chicago offense? Although now that they have Justin Fields, he's leaving just when it's probably going to get good. Yeah, we can start with Robinson. I think that he is going to be a very interesting free agent on the market this year because he just has never played with good quarterbacks. And he had Blake Bortles in Jacksonville, Mitch Trubisky in Chicago, and then last year the Justin Fields experience in, in the first year under Matt Nagy, which I I really like Fields. I think that he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't have any doubt about that, but it just wasn't working last year. And I think that that was an organization where he can definitely benefit from the changes there. But I think Robinson will be interesting because he's, he's 28. Um, I think he turns 29 later this year. He's well removed from that knee injury that he had in Jacksonville. He was able to put up numbers. Uh, he had a, a thousand yard season with the, in Chicago, which I was, I was listening to another podcast and they were going through like the all time receiving leaders for the Bears. It's a bleak list. I was, I was shocked uh, by just the the lack of good wide receivers that they've been there. So um, I think Robinson, he should be able to get a good deal. I think that he's someone who deserves to get the chance to test the open market, get paid. I don't think his production last year is indicative of the player that he is. Um, So that'll be, he'll be a fun one to track moving forward, I think. Yeah, and I would say though, so you, like you said, he's going to be 29. He was his last season at Penn State was 2013 he played he he had thousand yard seasons with Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg back to back Bill O'Brien coached both teams just a dynamic player I remember he was not a coveted recruit I think he was a three-star recruit out of Michigan Bill O'Brien his first year saw right away I think though it was, it was his second year at Penn State that he could be the feature guy in his offense built the offense around him and the tight ends so he he's you know he's he's made some nice money I think in the NFL and he has not really played on very good teams. So I guess I'm what I'm wondering, when you're 29 in the NFL, not that that is – I think he can play for a few more years, but he's this is likely his last sizable contract. I, there's not a big market for like 33-year-old wideouts uh, in the NFL. So I'm just wondering, Daniel, if will he sacrifice some money to play a situation more conducive to maybe a team that makes the playoffs, or do you think – He's at the point in his life where, you know, if, if he'll, he'll, the way that the NFL is anymore, Daniel, a team can go from being, uh, you know, mediocre to good in, in a very short time. He'll just take the best deal for him and his family and lock up his long-term security. What, what would you do if you were Alan? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I just pulled up his, his contract numbers uh, from the Bears and he made, uh, it looks like he made $17.8 million last year. I think obviously you want to cash in if you have the opportunity and, He's benefiting a little bit from the way the market is shaping up with Godwin getting tagged and Devontae Adams getting tagged. So I think it's, I'd need to look at the full list, but I think it's him and Amari Cooper are the, the two kind of big names out there. 
And so I think that he'll command a, a pretty good market and those guys getting tagged pushes him up the pecking order a little bit. But I do think there are some contenders that have a need at wide receiver. And I don't know, that's a good question. I think that he's spent four years and or eight years, all eight of his NFL years in kind of the wilderness outside of the the one year Jacksonville made the run. So I think that he's someone that you could maybe see him take the discount. Obviously his agent wouldn't want him to do that. And I don't necessarily think he would want to do that. But I think that when you look at someone like Odell Beckham Jr., who just kind of went to the right situation where he was able to win um, and that that worked out for him, I think that that's something that you kind of have to consider. But I don't know, at the same time, if he signs a, a three-year deal that gets him paid very nicely, and then when he's 32, 33, then maybe you can kind of search for the right situation where you can be kind of a, a mentor or kind of a, a more secondary piece. But I think I kind of think that he should just go wherever he can get the most numbers, uh, honestly, where he can go have a competent quarterback. I mean, we saw what the what the Bengals did last year in terms of just having good quarterback play, good wide receivers, a good offense uh, and an underrated defense, but how far that can get you. So he'll be a he'll be a really interesting guy to track when free agency starts later this month. Yeah, I'm going to give I'm going to throw out two teams having not I'm just looking at potential marriages for for Allen where he can make money and he can also have a shot. Maybe how about the Buffalo Bills? They have Stefan Diggs. They've already put the word out that Cole Beasley's available in a trade uh, and Emmanuel Sanders is kind of up there in years. Gabriel Davis had the breakout game against the uh, Chiefs in the playoffs that uh, went for naught. But I think they probably would have enough money to maybe make a run at Allen, who could do some things across the middle and take some of the pressure off Diggs. And depending on how how he feels about Mac Jones in New England, they're definitely looking for a wideout. I don't know, though. To me, I think Buffalo would be would make more sense. I think Buffalo is real close, like real close to at the very least getting to the championship game with that quarterback. They have good running backs. They have a pretty solid defense, except for the final 13 seconds of a playoff game that broke my heart. But I would say if I was Allen, maybe I'd take a little look at the Buffalo Bills and see if there's a market there because they're going to be good as long as Josh Allen's there. Stephon Diggs is is obviously the number one. I think Allen Robinson could do a lot of damage as a number two receiver for the next couple of years. What do you think about that, Daniel? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that when you look at the Bills and you kind of compare them to to the other teams that we saw make big runs where you look at the Rams where it was, they had Cooper Cup, they had Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously there were some injuries that got in there, which, which is why Ben Skoranek was uh, getting targeted in some big spots in the Super Bowl. But then you look at the, the Bengals with Chase, Higgins, Boyd, like I think you have to have a couple good wide receivers, two or three. And if Gabriel Davis can be a solid number two or you know, if Robinson were to come and be the number three, I just think you have to upgrade from Cole Beasley, uh, which I think can help you in a, a lot of different he's ways. Too. Just be honest. He's, 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 and he's, he's, he's in his thirties now. He's a little bit of a distraction. Uh, the way that the NFL is going with their protocols, it could, it, they just might not have any, uh, the way this thing is going next year. So maybe they'll bring Cole back, but it sounds like Cole is maybe eager to get a fresh start somewhere else. I don't know. What about Daniel? What about Deshaun Hamilton? A Penn State, fan, I think, fan favorite for what he was able to do, mostly in 2017. I thought that was his best year. He had a he had a really good 
redshirt freshman year. I think he caught 80 passes in 2014. That wasn't a good team. He was a key contributor, though, on that 2017 team that uh, won the Fiesta Bowl, took Ohio State to the limit, lost a heartbreaker in the weather in the weather game at Michigan State, drafted by the Broncos, but I think he roughed up his knee and uh, recently, and they just, they just decided, I think, to, to, to cut him. If he's healthy enough, do you think there's an NFL future uh, for, for Deshaun at, for another team? Yeah, so the, the sequence of events with Hamilton last offseason was that he, he'd finished his third year with the Broncos. His numbers were, were pretty consistent across the board. I think he was averaging probably in the 20s for catches a year, in the 200s for yards, and, and had a couple touchdowns, started some games. But the way the reporting laid it out last year was that the Broncos were looking to move on from him, or it was kind of a thing where they didn't really have a home for him anymore with some of the changes that they made. So they were prepared to trade him to the 49ers. And then right before the trade went through, he tore up his knee training away from the facility. So that trade couldn't go through. So he was kind of, you know, his season was done. Uh, I think last, I forget when that was last year, but it was a long time before the season started. So I think the fact that, a team like the 49ers with kind of what they have on offense and their penchant for evaluating guys. I think the fact that they were interested in him bodes well. And then you look around at kind of all of the, the Shanahan disciples that are, that are, that have head coaching jobs. Um, you know, you look at Mike McDaniel is, is the new guy down in Miami. Um, he was one of Shanahan's offensive coordinators. Maybe he can see, maybe Hamilton can, settle in somewhere I don't know maybe depending on what his market is um, maybe he can take a, a cheaper prove it deal with the Packers um, they're, they're going to need some wide receiver help and they're going to be uh, up against it um, in terms of what they're paying <laughs> some of these guys now yeah in light of the recent events sure <laughs> um, so I know that was kind of when you look at kind of what is around I mean Matt, Matt LaFleur worked with Shanahan for for a long time so I think that you kind of can connect those dots, and I think that there will be enough landing spots for for someone like Deshaun Hamilton. Very thorough analysis. It probably didn't help Deshaun Hamilton, even before he got hurt, that Denver took Jerry Judy with their first-round pick two years ago, and then they took K.J. Hamler, another Penn Stater, uh, in the second round, and they already had Cortland Sutton. So that the writing was starting to take form on the wall, even if they signed him. Like, he was going to be, at best case, their fourth option. So... It's unfortunate he got hurt. Hopefully he can bounce back. And you're right. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of he, – he does a lot of things well. I don't think he's a starting wide receiver, like it, maybe in a three-receiver set, but I think he's a fourth guy. He's probably going to have to play some special teams. But you know what? There's a lot of money to be made if you can be a good fourth receiver mm-hmm. uh, in the right system. So hopefully those Penn State guys, Allen Robinson and Deshaun Hamilton, can find a good home in 2022. This is the Blue-White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Daniel, speaking of Penn State guys and trying to find a niche or a home, you know, we're getting closer to spring practice. 
and I've been tinkering with some ideas for our, our build-up towards the start of spring practice, which I think is Monday the 21st. So we're inside of two weeks just to get it started. I may or may not have made a list of 15 players, Penn State players, to watch this spring. But in reality, it's probably it's probably better suited as a list of 10. 15 is a little too long, and that takes too long to get through that list. So what I thought I would do is I would look at the 11 through 15 guys in my mind, and I'm going to run them by you and why I think they are players to watch this spring. I'm just going to give you these names, and I want to, I, what, I just want you to talk about what's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, one of the guys that made my list uh, is because of something that uh, the strength coach said uh, when we visited with him uh, last week. So the first name on my list, Daniel, is Tyler Warren, the young tight end, former high school quarterback, has the attention of Chuck Losey, but he's probably really in the pecking order. He's probably their number three tight end, at least at the end of 2021. I think he's a guy to watch this spring if he can make a jump forward. Yeah, 100%. Chuck Losey's words when describing Tyler Warren was that he crushed it um, when they were maxing out. Um, I think that Losey said he thought Warren set a new tight end record for, I think, was it squat? Yeah, they were squatting. They were squatting on when we went there. Yeah, and so I think that that is what you want to see in the offseason. And Warren is just, he's enormous. I was at, the, he was at Thon Athlete Hour, and he was the the one guy that walking around, you just kind of looking at him. I mean, he was standing next to Olu Fashanu, uh, the presumed contender at left tackle he looks bigger than wider than him probably yeah and it was kind of like i was like well like can can warren play left tackle like can warren play right tackle for them and we know that he's athletic um we saw some of the catches that he made in the red zone last year i think it was the michigan game where he had the i forget if it was the two-point conversion or the touchdown i think it was the two-point conversion i think yep but he made made a great play and i think that that's kind of i mean the tight ends last year the whole Thing was very up and down the whole year and Theo Johnson is apparently killing it in workouts we haven't heard much about Brenton Strange but he did some very nice things last year so I think that's a very interesting group and if Warren is get is performing like this in the offseason if he's getting this kind of praise I think that that kind of raises raises the floor of that group a little bit more but I'm definitely really excited to see Warren it'll be his, his third year in the program uh, and I think that this is kind of where at the point where you, especially him converting from quarterback, this is where you'll, you'll really see him, I think, have the opportunity to take off. Yeah, I, I think of, of all the tight ends, I would cut him the most slack because of what you just said. He is making the conversion. But I will say this when it comes to strength and conditioning and, you know, these guys doing a great job. I need this is what I need from them this spring, the tight ends. I need less squatting more blocking in the run game, and then I would be happy. It's great that you can squat a lot of weight, but until you can actually push somebody off the line of scrimmage on a uh, more consistent basis, I don't know how much that's going to really help Penn State's offense. I could be wrong, but they sure do look like they're ready to take a step forward. I hope they do, but I do think they'd probably be the first to admit, as with James James Franklin, that they have to contribute more in the running game as blockers if they're going to be able to run the ball better. Daniel, let's move to another guy who made my list, the fringe of my list. Um, I I don't know why I'm excited about this guy, but I just have a feeling 
just because of his past in the SEC, I think he can play. I think the more you use him, I think the better he can play, not only as a corner, but uh, maybe on special teams if if the need arises for coverage players. But Johnny Dixon is a guy for me to watch this spring with Tariq Castro-Fields uh, training for the NFL draft. They have Joey Porter back. They have Daquan Hardy back as the slot corner. Sky is the limit for Kalen King. He'll be in his second year, but you have to have a minimum of four corners who are going to play a ton of snaps. And I think Johnny Johnny Dixon this year looks like he should be that guy. Yeah, Dixon's an interesting one to watch because he's kind of the the other side of the coin when it comes to the transfer portal. There were guys like Ebiketti, Tangelo, Eric Wilson that you brought in to, okay, we got to plug this hole. You guys are going to contribute from day one. And then on the other side, you had Johnny Dixon, who they brought in with kind of the intention of bringing him along slowly and, and developing him a little bit more. He's going to be a fourth-year player, two years at South Carolina, his second year at Penn State. I think that he'll have the chance to to develop. We saw him, his playing time increase. It's going to be a, a pretty tough competition to get reps there. Joey Porter Jr. is pretty entrenched. And then, obviously, Kalen King is walking on water right now. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be tough to see kind of how, how Dixon can get in there but I think that he has the opportunity he has a pedigree we saw last year that they're willing to rotate who knows exactly what Manny Diaz's philosophy will be with that but I think that when you have a lot of cornerbacks at the college level that you can afford to rotate them and you and obviously you have to uh, to, to get the most out of uh, what you have and I think uh, his last year at South Carolina, he did make a bunch of starts at corner I just think he's a guy in the if, if he is your fourth corner, I think you're in pretty good shape, and injuries are gonna are gonna creep up uh, at that position. So if you if you go into the if you at the very least if you go into the fall as the fourth corner, I think your chances of playing a ton of football at Penn State are really good because it's 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 tough for corners with the amount of running, the amount of cutting, starting and stopping. They're asked to tackle. That's that's a really a demanding position, and I think that if you're the fourth corner, the odds are you're going to be playing a ton of snaps, and I'm sure Johnny still has some designs on the NFL, and that's certainly possible. All right, I'm not going to give you five names because we're starting to run a little bit late here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I'm going to give you one more. Because of the position he plays, because of he's the fact that he's a young player, and he's clearly an athletic player, I'm going to go with Jamari Budin as a, a Penn State player to watch this spring, a second-year linebacker. They thought about playing him and Kobe King, in the Outback Bowl, but if they would have, they would have uh, burned their red shirt. They opted, they both played four games. They opted not to use them, probably wise. I think probably either player wanted to play uh, in that in that game, but Budin looks to me like a guy with two open starting linebacker spots with Brooks and Brandon Smith gone. I don't think any position is promised, I think, other than Curtis Jacobs' spot. So how do you see maybe the spring possibly playing out uh, for Jamari Budin. Yeah, I think the spring is going to be big for those redshirt freshmen, uh, Budden and, and, and Kobe King. Um, I talked to Tyler Elsden uh, at the at Thon Athlete Hour and asked him about the redshirt freshmen. And he said that they've just been making really good strides and, and he's really impressed with them. It's an interesting dynamic with the with two open starting spots. People know that you're going to have to replace these guys who are going to leave and you look at the seniority of things and 
kind of how the development track was going. But I think the fact that you have a new defensive coordinator and a new linebackers coach, I think it puts guys a little bit more on equal footing. No favorites. Yeah, like second-year players like Budden and King can kind of be on that same level um, as Elsden and, and Charlie Catcher and um, the the new freshmen who are going to come in and, and arrive later this year. So I think it's a it's a really interesting dynamic to watch. But I think we've only heard good things about those about those linebackers. Um, I think that they they both got some valuable time last year. The eligibility thing at the end of last year was was kind of weird and just did, didn't feel like everyone was on exactly the same page. But I think the fact that they were going to be willing to play those guys or they made it seem like that they were going to be willing to shows that there was, there was trust in them last year. So I think that you can kind of spin that forward and kind of see how things shake out a little bit, but just an interesting position. They got lucky last year. The fact that everyone stayed healthy, the depth this year, I think is going to be another kind of tightrope for them to walk. But I think that if you can trust those young guys in there, that can, that can go a long way. Those are some words of wisdom from Daniel Gallen on a sleety, snowy Wednesday, March 9th, as we conclude this episode of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Daniel has got to get later today to Penn State men's hoops coverage. It's the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Is that is that first on the dance card? So we're going to wish you good luck with that. Hopefully the snow tapers, sleet tapers off. Uh, I know it's a long day for you, and you and Dustin Hawkinsmith are going to have yet another edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast later this week. I'm Bob Flounders. He's Daniel Gallon. Thanks for listening and watching. Survive the sleep. Uh, Spring practice is 12 days away. It can't get here soon enough. And Daniel and I will be back next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.